0: Anna here from Artsy Engineering Radio. This week, for our Request for Comment episode, Steve Hicks and I are talking about how communications intersects with engineering. We talk about the importance of writing, podcasting, speaking, why it supports your own growth as an engineer and the growth of your team. Hi everyone, welcome to the Artsy Engineering Radio. I'm Anna, an engineer at Artsy, and I'm with-
1: Steve, also an engineer at Artsy.
0: Hey Steve, Uh, excited to talk to you today. We're talking about a topic that's pretty near and dear to my heart, talking a little bit about writing and podcasting and speaking in the context of being in an engineering org in an engineering role. And sort of why that's important, I know that this is something that both you and I are really passionate about. And I know that for me, coming into this field, I sort of had this misconception, and I think other people have this too, that you know, as an engineer, all you're doing is writing code. And mm-hmm. what does writing or speaking at conferences or uh, podcasting have anything to do with being an engineer? And I think the goal of this conversation is hopefully to kind of debunk that and talk a little bit about uh, why we think that these activities are important and really core to our roles and core to the success of our team. Yeah. Do you have any sort of initial comments on how you think about that at a high level?
1: I mean, I, I think for me, when it comes down to it, it's about communication and like, I I don't know if I would say the ability to communicate is more important than the ability to code like they're probably equal or whatever but it's certainly a thing that often gets overlooked is that even if I can write the most amazing code that does this problem if I can't communicate it to the people that need to know what it does or like how it's used then you know I might as well throw that work away to some degree
0: Yeah totally I think that You saying that it's equal or at least equal, I actually think even that would be probably surprising to a lot of people who might be interested in engineering or who are even engineers, also. I think people often see communication as sort of this like soft skill that's secondary to your technical Mm -hmm. abilities. But one of the biggest surprises for me transitioning into engineering has been how important the communication skills are to actually producing. Good work and getting work done and, and being successful in the role and being productive, not just these this like nice to have that you know you can Definitely. kind of toss away. Um, and I should add that uh, I think I talked about this on on previous episodes of the pod, but um, I transitioned from a communications role um, prior. I I was a senior communications manager at Artsy actually for almost four years before coming back the end of last year in an engineering role. So my core background and uh, my skill set prior to learning how to code was in communications, writing, talking, storytelling, that sort of thing. So it's been super rewarding to see those <laughs> skills come into play. Because I think for a long time I was like, oh, I just have to kind of start over and leave those skills behind and maybe they'll be helpful but not necessarily core to the role. So it definitely felt like learning to code has built on the skills I had before and all kind of come together in the role for sure.
1: Yeah, and I remember when you when you started in engineering, I I just was really excited to have you join the team based on what I've seen you write. Like specifically, I was very happy that you you would come to the team and write for the Artsy Engineering blog because I think that um you know, the, that's a that's a thing that has existed for a long time and it's had its ups and downs, I guess. But like, I think it's really important for us to have that thing out there for people to read just to um, showcase our work and, and whatever else. So to have you join the team was just like, this is exactly who I want here right now.
0: That's awesome. So yeah, I I love to sort of double click on that a little bit around why the blog is important. And I think, I know the blog has been around long before you or I joined the company and has gone through a lot of evolutions, but why do you think it's important for an engineering team at a company to have a blog? By the way, I also don't even, that word always bothers me because it feels so dated, blog. I I agree. (laughs) We'll have, to come a up with a, we'll have to come up with a better, more contemporary word. But, but yeah, yeah why do, you, why do you think that it's important for companies to have that kind of presence?
1: I can think of a couple of reasons. For starters, I think from a, from a recruiting perspective, I remember when I first started interviewing at Artsy, it was nice to go look and see what are the kinds of problems that they're solving. And honestly, like what are the kinds of people I'm going to get to work with if I, if I get this job? So I think it's an important uh opportunity for a company to just reach out and and showcase that showcase the, the the work. I also think it's from like a more perspective of helping others like this is a good opportunity for us to get out there and 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 teach people stuff or share the problems that we're running into so that someone can solve their problem more quickly or let them know that, you know, they're not alone in the problems that they're trying to solve. So it's like this knowledge base that is out there for everyone outside of Artsy, but it's also a knowledge base for people inside of Artsy, which is also a huge benefit. I think that's something that you have talked about in the past that like this kind of, we if we write an article about something that we dive deep into, it's sure useful for people outside of Artsy to read about the things that we're doing, but it's also really helpful for someone inside of the company who runs into that problem a month later and doesn't really know how to deal with it like a, a Google search turns up this knowledge base of of like something someone that's well doesn't sit next to them but like virtually sits next to them, wrote a month ago and and now they have this ability to go talk to that person a little bit more in detail and know exactly what was going on or. Or maybe even the article covers everything that they need to know. I, I, there's an article that I think Anson wrote that I've gone back to at least five times about hooking up a debugger in VS Code. So so like that's great. That makes it easier for me to not have to commit that to memory. I can just go look it up every time I need to know it.
0: Totally, totally. And I think the benefit too is if it's internal, you know that if you have other questions or things you you know, want to follow up on, you can also ask Anson because he actually wrote the post, which I love. I know that for me, it's funny. I didn't really think about our blog in that way Mm -hmm. initially. And then Chris, uh, who's another engineer on the, on our team here at Artsy, he encouraged me to write that post about the Mm -hmm. Relay store, Relay's a library, a GraphQL library. And I think in the past had been a little more reluctant to write these technical posts. It's just, I think the, the types of blog posts and writing that I've done since transitioning into engineering are generally more about my experience as a woman in engineering or sort of topics that are a little bit more about interviewing or that sort of thing, and not so much technical but I, something that chris said to me around the very least do this so that we have this sort of recorded <laughs> yeah, and totally. written down and it kind of took it kind of took the pressure off a little bit cuz i was like oh like if i just think about this as something for our team internally it felt a little bit like lowering the bar of you know how you know helpful it needs to be to the broader engineering community and that really resonated yep. with me and i think it's a it's actually like an idea that we've brought to the podcast too that we've talked about is let's produce something that that we find value in And that our team is gonna, you know, be able to use and enjoy. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if other people are into it too, that's that's great. But I I like sort of thinking about these these as tools for for our team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that phrase lowering the bar in the context of creating content, producing content, because it's definitely when you think about writing an article on a blog, you can get wrapped up into a lot of details and context and all of this stuff that you could add and it takes a lot of time to write it and you know you might you might be trying to make one small point when you start that turns into like a 15 minute read because of all these other things that you think are important to bring to that conversation. But that has been a goal for me personally for the last I don't know six months or year is to just lower the bar for myself and just be like i don't, it doesn't need to it doesn't need to tie in all the context for everybody i just need to make the point that i wanted to make here and if that means i have like a three paragraph article that i'm writing then that's great that's that's what i needed in this moment
0: yeah the other thing that i've noticed with you that's sort of related is you are also uh, have been really good about working to build this habit of mm-hmm. writing that, you know, again, I think that w- what gets in the way for me often, and I don't really, I honestly, like don't actually write that much. And it's something that I'm still kind of like working on is to build a more consistent habit. Because ugh like, it feels like you just have to have the perfect idea. And you have to be in the perfect headspace, be in the mood to be writing and to try to pr- mm-hmm. like put out the whole article in one sitting. And, and I think that bar is really high to jump over. Yeah. And I think what you've, helps to teach me and I'm still I'm still working on this but but I think you're you're really good at this is chunks bite-sized chunks do a little bit and just building that habit and it could be you could write total crap in the like <laughs> half hour you set aside but if you're writing then every week or whatever the cadence is then you have it's just it's just gonna be better for your practice overall
1: That's cool. Thank you for that's a huge compliment. I I feel like a little bit of a fraud because, (laughs) like my writing practice is is also not at all what I want it to be. You know, I would I wish that I had more complete writing practice and that I did it more often than I do. But in regards to like the chunks conversation, that is a thing that I've really had a hard time with in the past was setting aside time and then sticking to it. And I would put time on my calendar to write and I'd just be like, mm, no, I got other stuff that's more important. But this year was kind of the year for me of like, I'm going to do the things that I want to do. And that time is important to me. It's It benefits Artsy in the long run uh, or in other ways. But for me personally, if I have that one hour to sit down and just like progress an article, you know, two paragraphs, like that's... That's still, I'm doing the thing. You know, like that is a practice for me. It's certainly not as frequent as I would like it to be, but it is, you know, once a week is better than nothing.
0: Totally, totally. I think that's a big lesson in a a lot of areas. But writing in particular is, yeah, it's definitely something that I think you get better at or just feel less scared by Mm -hmm. as you can kind of continue the practice. And I think that's part of the idea behind Request for Comment, which is, This part of our podcast cadence that we have made a point to every two weeks record an episode to talk. And it can be informal, it can be formal, it can be about something specific, it can be more unstructured. And I think having that time to set aside to record something has felt sort of similar in that way.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: How, How did you originally sort of become interested in this? Is this something that has been part of your? Career as an engineer all the way through, or is this something you discovered a
1: little later on? It's not something that I was, well, for starters, I'm old and uh, I've been an engineer for over 20 years at this point. So there's like a lot of time in there. And uh, this is definitely wasn't a thing that was important to me for maybe the first at least 10 years of my career, maybe closer to 15. I think when I really started to get interested in it was previous job where there was there was a group of maybe three to five of us that were really getting heavy into speaking at meetups and conferences at the same time, and so it was like this little this cohort that uh we just we were just like pushing each other and trying to trying to find ways to i guess like get out there and and help people and like teach people and for me personally, it was about teaching. That was the most exciting thing to me. That's the thing I think that I like the most about all of this stuff is just like when I see somebody's face, just make that expression of, oh, I get it. That's a pretty big rush for me. So that really got me into the speaking side. And then along with that was like, probably should also be blogging. And I think that's when I actually started up my, my personal blog. And then I just kind of over time found that I, I like writing as an outlet. And I like communicating to other people as an outlet, honestly. <laughs> like communicating like the things that I'm working on, communicating the things that my team is working on because there are so many amazing engineers at Artsy that are just doing things that I'm not capable of, but like we should show it off <laughs> and, and and they should show off the work. So if they're not going to do it, I'm going to show it off for them. Yeah, I think that that is kind of where it came from. I, I At this point, it's just like, Thing that I can't imagine not doing as part of my job
0: totally totally and I think it's it's interesting too because there's definitely engineers that I think are not as excited or mm-hmm. not as d- don't necessarily feel that way don't necessarily feel that they want to be doing these types of activities what if you were to try to sort of convince someone to give it a shot whether it's coming on the podcast or writing a blog post or or speaking at a conference, what would you kind of say to try to convince them to give it a try?
1: <laughs> I mean, to some degree, I, I feel like there are a lot of people who I, there's no way I'm ever going to convince them. I think that like a, um, there is a discomfort with having like, that public-facing persona that I don't know how to address that because like, that's, that's not a thing that was a problem for me as much. So there's probably some smarter, better people to ask that specific side about. But if it, if it's someone who's on the fence and is like, I kind of want to do this, I'm just afraid to start it. I mean, the, I think that you could maybe approach it from like a personal growth side of if I'm writing an article, yeah, it's out there for other people to read. But also, I'm working on my ability to communicate. And like we talked about communication at the top. I don't know if it's an official value of rt like i don't think that it is but we are heavily biased towards people who are good at communicating and you can see it in i like i know when we do interviews that's on the scorecard that's a, that's a thing that you can rate is their ability to communicate but i think that we really emphasize it more than anywhere else that i've that i've been and you you can see it when you just look around and everyone who works here is just really good at taking an idea that's in their head and communicating it to the rest of the team in a way that that uh, that they understand so writing or doing a podcast or you know making videos or whatever like you're going to work on your skills to communicate and if it's true that communicating is as important as writing code then like that's a huge win for you
0: Totally totally in the same way that you might go and practice working with a particular library or working on some of your technical skills Yeah as if if we are weighing them at least equally then i think it's important to sharpen those skills too and the yeah. other thing that that I have found that I would sort of tell someone who's on the fence is that I find, and I think this is this tends to be true for people, especially if you're writing a technical blog post, that you really deepen your understanding of a topic yeah. when you're writing about it. So like when I wrote that relay store article, I would say my understanding was like doubled at least mm-hmm. when I wrote the article. I was like, oh yeah, like I inclu- I incorporated this into the code and I like solved my problem with this thing. And then when I wrote about it, it was like, Oh, now I actually understand it. Yeah. And that's so valuable because now it's going to be easier for me to actually apply those like technical skills in my work. It's going to be easier for me to teach someone else who might ask me questions about it. Um, so if you're, even if you're not, you don't really care about the sharpening the communication skills or getting your profile out there or anything like that. If you just want to level up as a technically as an engineer, I think there's definitely an argument to. Both writing and speaking about your technical work, I think it just really helps makes you understand things on a much much deeper level.
1: Absolutely. Um, there's a there's a psychological thing, like a phenomenon or something, that I have that I've like referenced in a couple of my talks called the protege effect, which is like just this idea that you learn something most or deepest by teaching someone else that same that same thing. And actually like what's weird about it is it's deeper than that. It's not even like you have to teach the person. You just have to think that you're going to teach the person and just because it's going to shift the way that you think about understanding all these things, you're going to like dig deeper to make sure that you know what you're talking about so that people don't think you're an idiot. Um all that stuff contributes to basically like that's the best way to learn something.
0: Totally. Yeah, I completely agree. What do you think that companies can do to be more supportive of people spending their time doing this? Like what could RT or other companies do to, I, th- I think part of the mm-hmm. problem is a lot of people often feel like uh, these types of activities are maybe not core to achieving company goals or there's pressure to, you know, work on product features and that sort of thing. Yeah. How do you think companies can uh, do more to support these types of efforts?
1: Yeah, I think the first most important thing like you said is just recognition that this is a side of it that helps. It maybe doesn't contribute directly to the product team that you're on and like that's the that's the challenge that I personally face is like always trying to decide whether I have time, whether I should be focused on my product work or like whether I can take a little bit of time and work on this other thing. But it, even though it's not directly contributing maybe to the, the um the product team, it's contributing to RT engineering. Like as a whole, uh, the podcast, every, every, it seems like just about every candidate we interview to work here, it talks about, or at least mentions that they've listened to the podcast. Um, And like that's a huge, a huge way for us to kind of represent to them what does, what's it like to work here? And what are the people like that you're going to get to work with? So it's, it's again more of that, that hiring, recruiting side where you see a lot of the payoff, I think.
0: Totally. And I also think the the comment you made earlier about communication skills and leveling up and personal growth. I mean, how many times could we have saved time? We've been talking about this on <laughs> different sort of planning or projects, if we were able to sort of communicate our ideas more clearly right. in a planning meeting, or if we had a really just like amazingly organized grooming session or retro and we actually could be more efficient as an organization if people leveled up in this area. Yep. So I also think for companies to recognize we value communication skills as much as we do technical skills. Like even just saying that I think would be really impactful. Yep. And I, like you said I mean I've start I just started interviewing candidates and I basically like all my role in these interviews is like just to interview for those types of skills. Yeah. So it's it's definitely clear for me that Like we value it in the recruiting process, but I think there's an opportunity to kind of like continue to communicate how important this is throughout the sort of onboarding and sort of development and growth of an engineer on the team, Um, and that these are ways to sharpen those skills and make you more impactful. I mean, I know that you you do a lot of sort of meeting facilitation, and I think that's something that you're extremely skilled at and why I was excited for it to, ha- to have you join the team because <laughs> I think every team needs people who are particularly talented and skilled in those areas. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, it's no accident that you're good at those things because you spend, you know, time working at it. Right. So I think that's, yeah, that's, that definitely like feels to me more, more tied to a, you know, bottom line productivity argument
1: yeah it's it's like anything else where you have to get practice in in order to get better at something and I think that to your original question of what can companies do better? I think that's what it is is like give people the freedom and the time to um to work on those things that they that maybe aren't directly contributing to the product team
0: totally um I agree I feel like we kind of cover it. Do you have anything else that you want to add or anything else we should?
1: Yeah, I mean, Anna, I, I, I feel like you've been asking me a lot of questions and I want to ask you questions too, because like we said before we recorded, like it's funny to me that you're asking me questions about writing because like, I look to you as someone who, uh, I mean, you did it as, as your job, right? For, like, for years, it was communications. So I, I guess one of the things that you said at the top was that communicating is a topic that's near and dear to you. And I want to know more about why that is near and dear to you.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I think for me, I have always been more probably interested in like in school, more interested in like the humanities side of things kind of. I I wasn't sure exactly which direction I was going to go into, but I actually wanted to be a journalist when I was in mm. high school and college. So I wrote for the arts. I, I was uh, the editor of the arts section of my college newspaper and actually high school newspaper. <laughs> um, so I, I always thought that that was going to be a path before I like realized that that's just like not really the best idea to go into arts yeah. journalism. Honestly, no, no shade, but that that wasn't necessarily a growing field. (laughs) So that's sort of how I found communications. It's kind of like the other side of journalism, where you're actually working with members of the media. Um, So that it was sort of a natural like progression for me. But I think for me, it really comes down to storytelling. I mean, it was it's definitely clear from the writing that I've done over the last year that you know, telling my story, inspiring others. Talking about sort of these bigger issues in our industry, that's the type of writing that really lights me up and gets me excited. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know if people people know this, but I'm not sure about other boot camps, but I, I did Flatiron and they have a requirement that's part of their... Job search guarantee. So a lot of boot camps will offer sort of some kind of money back deal if you don't get a job after you graduate in a certain amount of time frame. Mm-hmm. But in order to stay eligible eligible for that, you have to satisfy certain requirements. And at Flatiron, you have to push to GitHub a certain amount of times. You have to do okay. a certain number of outreach for networking. And the third one is you have to do a blog post a week during your entire job search period. Oh wow! Total, yeah, right. So they started having us do this while we were, you know, finishing up the program. And at the time, like most other students were, you know, maybe doing something really technical that has like literally a paragraph and then like a code snippet and trying to sort of just get it over with and not necessarily like with the intent of really boosting their profile. I think the goal for Flatiron is, you know, for recruiting. it's I think it shows a certain level of both like these communication skills, but also just commitment to the community and, and sharing ideas. Yeah. And that is supposed to help you get a job. But I was like, oh, sweet. Like this is something that I really enjoy and I'm pretty good at. So I took that that requirement as an opportunity to kind of like start this practice a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I saw like a lot of, because I think my posts were, again, they they were never technical. They were just always about sort of my experience and these mm-hmm. other types of ideas. And I really did get a lot of, you know, traction and I got, you know, interesting companies reaching out to me, telling me that they had read my blog post and they wanted to talk about this and this role. So it definitely worked to me. And I I do credit Flatiron because I think that I'm someone who needs a lot of outer accountability to do things. So I'm not as, (laughs) not that I'm not internally motivated, but it's hard for me to like, I'm a procrastinator and I like... Having any kind of outer accountability is just so important for me in in any kind of like productivity activity, and um, having this requirement forced me to actually like start to sort of develop this practice. And yeah, so I I think it's I mean that even says a lot that like a bootcamp would require this to me uh, for engineers.
1: Yeah, it's it's I mean it's really well thought out I think and. Uh, earlier, we were talking about like if you're on the fence, why should you go ahead and actually start doing this thing in public? That's another really good reason to build your portfolio a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think that having. I mean, this I talked to a lot of boot camp grads just over the course of the last year, and. They will ask me advice. and And even though I don't necessarily think that writing needs to be your modality, yeah, but doing something to contribute to the community in a non-technical like modality. So whether it's like recording YouTube videos of yourself, talking mm-hmm. about a technical topic or trying to talk at meetups or something that you're doing that is showing, this skill set and your engagement in in the developer community, I think, makes a huge, huge difference. And yeah, I don't, I don't know how much like artsy weights that in recruiting, but I would imagine that there's probably examples of people here that have been found through their writing or speaking. Actually, I feel like that's your is that your story? <laughs> that
1: is that is my story. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Speaking of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, I spoke at a conference that another artsy engineer, John, also another host of this podcast, <laughs> attended, and um, I think I talked about React something. And um, he just like we really just hit it off and talked the next day or so constantly, like just hung out the whole rest of the conference. And in that time, got to know each other and talked about like what what was important to us. In regards to an engineering job, and by the time I like went to go home, I got a text from them that was like, "Hey, can I connect you with our CTO to talk about a job at Artsy?" And then it kind of went from there. So it was great.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think that that both shows like yes, it's a powerful way to find jobs and to network. Yeah. For. An engineer but it's also a powerful way to connect with pe- more like-minded people yeah so it's not just any job but you know i want to work somewhere where you know i wrote a blog post about my experience transitioning from communications to engineering and my path taking computer science as a woman mm-hmm. in college and i want to work somewhere where that story resonates to leaders of an engineer yes board, absolutely they think that that is like, oh, wow, like we want someone like that. Well, I want someone who wants someone like that. Yes. So so yeah, I, I think sharing your, your ideas and your viewpoints can also help you not just connect with companies, but connect with co- the right companies that share your values.
1: Yeah, for sure. There's something that you've been, uh, well, we should wrap this up soon, but just like one really quick observation. There's something that you've been floating around right there, which is how cool is it that Artsy has this community of people who work there? It seems like almost everyone comes from somewhere other than engineering or like started their career wanting to be something different or went to college for something different. It's just kind of neat. Like a lot of a lot of companies will look for engineers who knew they were gonna be an engineer from day one. And it just seems like that's not necessarily what we what we look for, which I think is cool.
0: Totally. Brings
1: so many interesting personalities.
0: Definitely. It's one of my absolute favorite things about Artsy and one of the big reasons why I wanted to come back is that particularly in like creative areas and in these, I hate using this word again, but like softer skills and things Mm -hmm. like that. I think Artsy, because probably of the nature of the industry that we're working in it, I mean, I think for some yes and for some no, but I talked to a lot of engineers on the team that they were interested in working for Artsy because they love art and they love culture and they love music. And we have quite a few like musicians and artists Mm -hmm. that are engineers on the team. And I always felt like, oh, like those are my people. Like that's, you know, (laughs) I I actually think that we, I've been thinking about, we could do a really fun podcast episode on people's creative practice and engineering and how those kind of come together. I know that we did an episode with Eve Essex who is a former engineer on our team who does the theme music for our podcast. You interviewed her and she talked about her creative practice and how that fits into her engineering career and i was like yes like this is these are my people <laughs> so yeah it's definitely one of my favorite things about working here so yeah i think we're i think we're about time but this has been so fun to get to talk to you about this i know this is a topic like i said at the beginning that both you and i are really passionate about and it's been helpful and insightful to flesh this out and actually have devoted time to to talk it through with you
1: yeah thank you this has been great i know we said that we were going to try to do this in like 20 minutes but here like i feel like we could go an hour so
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Anna. That's a wrap on our request for comment episode. Thanks to Steve Hicks and the entire Artsy Engineering radio team, as well as Asia Simpson, who produced this episode. The theme music at the beginning and end of this episode is by Eve Essex, who you can find on Spotify.